the youth pastor here over a year ago. Come on now. I put in my time. How many of you are uh, 13 years or younger? Raise your hand. 13 years as you were alive. That's how long I was the youth pastor. Before that, I was a youth leader for five years. And before that, I was a student at Excel. That's right. Excel existed since the time of the dinosaurs, baby. We've been here. And by God's grace, until he returns, we are going to continue to be here. And I'm just so excited because you guys are the torchbearers. You guys are the ones that are carrying the banner the chain of witnesses that has gone long before you, you are this current generation that now has this moniker, this youth ministry that is your youth ministry. And I am so excited to see what you do with it as God enables you, as God empowers you, and as God lifts you up to do the mighty things God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. Now, in order to do that, it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some boldness. And because of that, the enemy of courage and the enemy of boldness is fear. I want to talk to you about some phobias real quick. You know what a phobia is? Anybody know what a phobia is? What's a phobia? Both of them raised their hand and then both of them went. A phobia, it simply means a fear of something, right? And so there's all types of phobias in this world. Maybe one of the most famous phobias is arachnophobia. Anybody know what that is? Fear of what? Anybody have arachnophobia? Anybody got fear of spiders? Okay. Well, listen, close your eyes because, no, just kidding. Yeah, fear of spiders. I don't know what the term is, but I, I don't know. for some reason, and a lot of girls have this. Anybody just like freaked out by feet? Anybody freaked out by feet? Like just bare feet in your face freak you out? Nobody? Okay. I've seen some weird folks. I know there was an Excel leader way back in the day who was terrified of balloons. Like she had a, a fear of balloons. And by the way, she is a professional counselor now. It's not my wife. It's another person. But she had a fear of balloons, especially balloons popping. It always freaked her out. And there's all types. And these are genuine fear. There are people, believe it or not, there are people who are afraid of mustard. I've seen that. I don't know why. I don't understand the concept of it. But there are people that are afraid of mustard. There are some technical terms. There's um, uh, acrophobia. That's the fear of high places. Anybody have fear of heights? Right? Okay, good stuff. They have uh, claustrophobia. Anybody know what claustrophobia is? Fear of tight and closed spaces. Right? Anybody got claustrophobia? Fear of tight and closed places. There's zoophobia. Fear of animals or a single animal. What's that one fear that Gio has? Gio, where are you at? That fear of holes? What's that called? That one, that one messes with me, man. You know, the fear of, of just small holes. Like, There's pictures of that online and it's just always like, ugh. Uh, Sal has fears. We can't talk about his fears here in public. That's trauma. That's trauma. It's not just. So listen, there's all types of fears. Right? Everybody has something that they're uncomfortable with or that they're afraid of. There's, there's all types of fears. But specifically tonight, I want to talk to you about actiophobia. Actiophobia. Actiophobia, I think, is the greatest phobia that is preventing you from being all that God has called you to be. I think this is a fear that many of us, if not all of us, struggle with from one degree to another. And that is the fear of failure. Write that down. Fear of failure. <clears throat> the fear of failure is what's going to prevent you from being who God called you to be. The fear of failure is what's going to prevent you from accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish. Many of us might be afraid of failing from time to time. But the fear of failure really becomes dangerous when the fear stops us from doing the things that move us forward in order to achieve our goals. It's the thing that prevents you 
from stepping into your destiny, from becoming all that God called you to be, from receiving the giftings that God has called you to have, from living in the career path that God has laid out for you, from being all that God has called you to be, we are frozen with fear. This fear of failure is the kind of fear that stops you from applying to colleges you want to go to because you just think I won't get in. It's the kind of fear that stops you from trying out on the team because you think I just won't make the team. It's the fear that stops you from getting closer to God because you're afraid that if I, if I get closer to God, what if God's not real or what if he starts to point things out at me that I don't want him to? It's a fear that stops you from asking that girl to the dance or, or asking that young man to have lunch. I'm, like, I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying that's why you're single, baby. Like, it's, it's, it's a fear of stepping up and stepping out. Come on. We got some older ladies in the room that need some fellas to get over the fear. Not anyone in this room. Y'all are too young. But talk to your older brothers and sisters. It's the fear of failure that keeps you from being obedient to what you know God wants you to do. When you see these divine appointments, you see God opening a door for you to talk to your friend about him or, or to share about some of the things that God does. And, and there's a, a thing inside you. We call it the Holy Spirit. There's this moment inside you that like, man, I, I just feel like I should say something. I should feel like I should get into that. And suddenly that fear of failure pops up. And let me tell you, nine times out of ten, it's an irrational fear. It's not a reality. It's an assumption that you make. It's, it's a fear of, well, well, what if I put myself out there and, and I don't succeed? What if I put myself out there and it doesn't happen? And it's always about the what ifs. It's never about the what is. The fear of failure is, is a made-up fear, for the most part, of what may happen, not what has happened. And it's that fear of failure that's going to keep you stuck in life. Listen, in the Bible, God chose a man named Moses to accomplish a massive goal. Huge goal. What was the mission that Moses was set on? God sent Moses to go to the most powerful empire of the era and to tell the most powerful man in all the land, Pharaoh, the emperor of Egypt, essentially, and tell him, I need you to let go of over a half a million people that you have enslaved. I'm taking them with me. Bold move. You are going to the greatest empire, the strongest military force on the planet, and you're telling him that God said, let go of half a million people. By the way, people that you have enslaved and you use as a free workforce that I'm imagining you don't care much about as human beings and that are actually helping your economy, God's telling me to tell you, let them go. Now listen, <laughs> There are some of you in this room, you won't even order for yourself at McDonald's. You're one of those people. How many of you are one of those? You probably won't even raise your hand. That's how scared you are. You know, those people that are like, order for me. Hey, ask them. Hey, here's my favorite, the sibling. There's always a sibling in the room that's like this. Hey, ask mommy. Ask, my, ask, ask dad. Ask dad. And why do you do it? So they can say no to them, not you. Right? Ask them. Ask them for me. Ask them for me. And here, God is looking to Moses, and he's saying, Moses... I want you to go in front of the most scariest of situations. God spoke directly to Moses through a burning bush. Why a burning bush? Because it was a miraculous sign. It was a bush that was engulfed in flames, but it wasn't being burnt. And he gave him these instructions. But the fear of failure came knocking on the door of Moses' hearts. And it started to develop doubts 
and it started to create questions that Moses was asking in order to get out of this task. I believe there are three characteristics that contribute to the fear of failure. People pleasing, perfectionism, and pessimism. Now, I know we just had a spelling bee, so some of you might have a hard time spelling those words. We're going to put it up on the screen, okay? People pleasing, perfectionism, and pessimism. Those three things we find in this next few verses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. Let's look at what scripture is saying here. <clears throat> so remember, God's telling Moses, hey Moses, I need you to go to Pharaoh. I need you to tell him to set my people free. And listen to how the conversation continues to unfold. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked them, what is it you have in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told them. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of the ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Listen, there's a statement that Moses makes in this conversation with God that I think is incredibly dangerous when it comes to the fear of failure. And he says this, what if they? What if they is a horrible question to ever ask? What if they is a very dangerous question to ask when God has already told you what he wants you to do? What if they, it gives people more power than God in your eyes. It gives people more authority than God in your eyes. So instead of pleasing God who has made a request of you, we end up pleasing people who have made a judgment of you. So we would rather please people so that they look at us kindly than please God so that he'll be pleased with us. If you're taking notes, the first fear that we got to learn to overcome is this people-pleasing idea. There are so many things that we do that we don't even want to do but we do it in order to please people. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you straight from my heart. When I was a teenager, I hated the idea, even the, the notion of peer pressure. Because people would talk about it all the time. Say, oh, you can't succumb to peer pressure. And I'm like, yeah, I don't succumb. To, I don't listen to nobody. I got no peer pressure. Can't nobody make me do anything. And then as an older man, I look back and go, man, I did a lot of stupid things because of peer pressure. Because the reality is, if enough people come alongside you, you want to impress people. You want to say yes to people. You want to make people happy. You want to make friends. You don't want to alienate yourself. You don't want to be the one on the outside. You don't want to be the one that's different. And so in order to fit in, in order to get along, we end up compromising and doing things that we don't even really want to do. But we do it. Why? Because I'm trying to make them happy. I'm trying to keep them happy. <clears throat> it's what keeps us in toxic relationships. We know the relationship is toxic. We recognize it. Other people have told you the relationship is toxic. You recognize it. But what happens? I want this person to like me. I want this person to love me. I want this person to be pleased with me. So I allow them to degrade me. And I allow them to, to shortchange me. And I allow them to treat me less than the king and the queen that I am. Why? Because I'm trying to please them. Or, or when everybody gangs up at that one kid in class and we're all making fun of that one kid and, and there's this moment, this thought in your head that's like, man, this kid didn't even do anything. I don't even know why we're all piling up on him. I should probably stop everybody. But you don't want to be in the way. And so what do you do? You just go along with it. Or worse, you stay quiet. 
And you just sit there while everybody else is charging on this kid. And we're seeing it more and more, even with fights and violence and bullying. Instead of doing something, we just pull our phones out and capture it laughing in the background. And if you think, well, I don't do that. Well, how much time do you spend a day scrolling through those videos laughing as you watch somebody else laughing and recording it? Listen, they wouldn't post it if you didn't keep liking it. You are in control of the algorithm. And so this is the reality, right? We're about pleasing people. We're, We're trying to make people happy. Here's the problem spiritually with that. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He makes a distinction. Listen, some of you, you don't even engage in some of the games that we have at Excel because you don't want your friend to think you look silly. Guess what? Both of you are thinking the same thing. And both of you would be just as silly if you weren't worried about what the other one thought. And it's such a dumb concept. This is the reality. By the way, in all my years of Excel, here's what I noticed. It's easier for one person to come by themselves with a friend who's a real believer, who's genuine, and have them have an encounter with God than a whole group of friends. Because when the whole crew shows up, when the whole group of friends comes, there may be one or two who is responsive, who who is hearing the Holy Spirit and who senses that knock on their door and they they want to respond, but then they look around and they see everybody else and they think, well, I don't want to be the only one or or they may not think this is cool. And, And every one of them is probably thinking the same thing, but because they have group mentality, rather than please God, they scale back and please people. If I could take it one step further, because, you know, Technically, I'm a guest here tonight, so I'm just going to do this. Some of you aren't where you need to be spiritually because in this room are people that you would rather please than God. And you think they're your friend. They might be, but they're acting like a spiritual enemy. And I don't think they're trying to. But here's the reality. If they don't want to go after God, that's cool. That's their decision. But don't let their decision to not follow the Lord prevent you from not following the Lord. So that when we get together in a few weeks in small groups and we're opening up and your friend leans over and goes, this is stupid. I don't want to be here. You shouldn't be like, yeah, this is stupid. I don't want to be here. If you like it, if you're enjoying it, tell them, hey, listen, I like it. I I think this has been good. I really needed this tonight. Let them feel awkward. You don't got to be the one to feel awkward. Put the pressure back on them. But listen, there came a point in my life where this is my spiritual walk. So if you ain't walking with me, hey, I love you. Catch up with me when you're ready, but I'm still walking with the Lord. And so there were moments when I would come to Excel and I'm like, how come you don't sit with me? I'm going to be honest with you, bro. We're not in the same place. We're trying to go to the same direction. So I'm going to sit where I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to get in a position where I can receive because my goal right now is to please God, not you. I love you. We can talk afterward. But my goal right now is to please God. Listen, let's go back to Moses, Exodus chapter 4. Verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Fear number two or thing that's preventing us from moving forward is perfectionism. Perfectionism. Now, if you've grown up in church, you might have heard about Moses having a speech issue. They say that Moses was a stutter. And so this is kind of what he's saying. He's saying, God, I've never been good with words. I stutter. And so you want me to go and talk to the most powerful man in the world 
and then talk to half a million people. I'm not good with words. I, I have a stutter. I have an impediment. There is something about me that disqualifies me from being able to communicate on your behalf. But hold on, because listen to what Acts chapter 7 verse 22 says. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both what? Speech and action. You know, sometimes because of perfectionism, we downplay what we're actually pretty good at. Just because you're not perfect doesn't mean you're not good. And so we, we downplay. We're like, well, listen, I'm just, you know, I'm just not really good at singing. Or I'm not great at singing. But you might be good. Hey, listen, you might not be a soloist. That's cool. But you might be an amazing person at harmony. And how many know we can't have 37 soloists? We need somebody to harmonize. Hey, listen, you, you may not be great at guitar, but are you good at it? And we can get you better. And so a lot of times, because we're not great, we prevent ourselves from even being good. He says, I have a stutter. Listen, perfectionism at its core is pride. Perfectionism at its core is pride. Why? It refuses to accept any standard lower than perfect. I'm sorry. Ain't nobody here born perfect. We're nobody here born knowing anything. Okay? We all crapped our pants. We all peed. Like, we all messed up. We all did things. Like, none of us were perfect from the onset. We grew into things. We learned things. People with this mentality of perfectionism set exceedingly high standards that they can never reach. They want to be flawless and are overly critical of themselves and others who fail to reach their standards. If it's not perfect, then I'm just not even going to do it. I remember, uh, where's Jaden? You here? I used, to, I used to mess with his dad about this. Jaden's dad, he was an admin with me at Excel for so long, and he was a perfectionist, man. He, he would write these emails, and they'd be color-corded and organized and itemized. And I mean, it was so much stuff, but it would take like 17 days for him to send it. And I'm like, homie, just send the info. Like, I don't need all the color codes. And I mean, that's cool, but nobody cares but you. Just send the info. Like, some things just need to get sent. Now, listen, I ain't gonna lie. A lot of it was beneficial, and there were moments where it really helped. But there are some times where we just need you to do it. It doesn't need to be done perfectly. It doesn't need to be done amazingly. It just needs to actually get done. Because here's what I would rather have. I would rather have food that's halfway decent than no food at all. Well, I didn't make you anything because it wasn't perfect. Well, dang, I'm still hungry, though. <laughs> Could have still made a sandwich. Like, <laughs> I was going to cook you this amazing six-course gourmet meal, but, you know, I just I couldn't get it quite right. Uh-huh, cool. So what did you make me instead? Nothing. So now we just both hungry. Okay, well, let's just go to the drive-thru, right? <laughs> like, we still end up with something. So here's the reality. Listen, you may not be perfect, but are you obedient? Are you willing Listen, God is perfect. He doesn't need you to be it. That doesn't mean we don't grow. That doesn't mean we don't get better. That doesn't mean we don't work at our craft and we try and we strive for perfection. But obedience is much more important. Listen how God responds to Moses when he gives him his excuse, right? What does Moses say? Man, you know, I'm not too good with words. I, I never have been. I'm okay, listen to what God says. Then the Lord asked Moses, I'm sorry. Who makes a person's mouth? 
Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. Well, I don't know if I can do it. I'm sorry, who's the one that sent you to do it? He can't empower you? The same God who raised Jesus from the dead? The same God who healed the blind? He can't give you the right words to speak when you need to speak? He can't give you the right things to do when you need you to do it? Are you saying that this amazing, powerful God that we come worship every week is incapable of filling the gap on the things that you lack? I'm sorry, he's the one that made you. He's the one that set you up. He's the one that molded you and will empower you and is going to go with you. So you can have every excuse in the book, but God can cover those. If God's the one that sent you, who are you to tell God you're wrong? Listen, there might be some incredibly powerful dreams that God puts in your heart. Man, God gave me a dream that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but I just don't see how that's going to happen. That's fine. Let God see it until you do. But you trust the Lord. You take every step. There is never failure in faith. I'm just going to step forward. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to let the chips land where they may. It's like the old saying, right? I'm going to shoot for the stars and at least land in the moon. Like, I'm going to go after it as much as I can. And I'm not going to be the one that gets in my own way simply because I'm not perfect. Well, who is? Because scriptures tell me only one man has ever been perfect, Jesus Christ. And by the way, he's the one that says, I'm going with you. I'll lead you. I'll teach you. I'll carry you. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. We all fall short. Nobody's perfect. Even like preaching, like, guys, I didn't come out the womb preaching sermons. I didn't learn how to put a a sermon together just overnight. I go back and I listen to some of my sermons. I'm like, thank God he was with me because I don't know if anybody else was. That was a rough message. But, but, but God put a burden on my heart and God put a desire in my life. And so I didn't know when I was 15 years old sitting in Excel, stealing my pastor's notes, trying to re-preach them the next day at school. I didn't know in those moments that God was leading me step by step to one day lead the entire church. I didn't see it, but God saw it. I didn't believe it, but God believed it for me. And so who am I to tell the Lord no? Some of you, you got people already in your life who are dream crushers. Let God be a dream lifter. And again, if it doesn't work out, cool. I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to let God elevate my steps. And I'm going to let God direct them. And I'm going to let God lead me. But I'm not going to be the one to get in my own way. So guess what? I'm going to apply to all the colleges. I'll let them reject me. Why I got to reject myself? (laughs) I don't want to be afraid of failing. Just you do it. Like I'm not going to be the one to do it for me. I'm apply to all the jobs. Somebody got to say yes. All right, listen, I'm just, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to shoot my shot. And I'm like, I got to make one of them. At some point, something's going to land. A broken clock's right at least twice a day. Like, I, I, I got some odds. But you miss. You make 0% of the shots you don't take. All because of what? I remember Evelyn, we, she's on her process, on her journey. It's a long journey to becoming a dentist. And Evelyn and I were talking. I have a friend of mine who owns a number of dental practices, and I asked him if he'd meet with Evelyn, and, and I think we were trying to get uh, some advice. There's a number of things we were doing. 
And so we went to the National Dental Convention that's hosted in Chicago. And we go there, and, and she got to watch him interview some dentists, and he made, it's so funny, he made the dentist talk to Evelyn. Hey, she has some questions for you. And so they're like, I didn't even come to talk to you, but okay. And so she asked all these questions, and then I remember at one point we were talking to my friend, and Evelyn mentions one class that she was struggling with, that she had a real hard time with. And she, she, she didn't fully say it, but she said enough where she was kind of like, man, I don't know if I can be a dentist because I struggle with this class. And I love what my friend said. He said, you got to think about it like this. Are you going to throw away your entire dream because one class is hard? Or are you going to get tutoring? Are you going to work harder on that class? Are you going to overcome that and then move forward? And I was sitting back like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Listen, why are you your own dream crusher? Why are you getting in the way of the things that God is trying to set up for you? Shoot your shot. You don't got to be perfect. You just got to be there. Third thing is this, if you're taking notes. Right, we talked about people pleasing. We talked about perfectionism. And then the third thing is pessimism. Pessimism. Man, pessimism is annoying me. Here's what a pessimist is. Pessimist always sees the glass half empty. Pessimist always sees the downside of everything. Everything you bring up, the pessimist is like, but what about this? I'm like, dude, I, who cares? <laughs> hey, man, what if we did this, this, and this? Yeah, but you got to think about this, this, and that. It's like, I mean, I guess. Like at some point, but homie, can I just dream a little bit? And there's nothing wrong with, with understanding the scope of things and, and asking the right questions. But a pessimist is always negative. A pessimist is always negative. And the reason a pessimist is always negative is, in my opinion, they are full of fear. Because all they see are the way things will fail. They can never see the way things will work out. So listen, some of us in this room, that's you. Your parents say, hey, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to be when you grow up? I ain't never seen that job. I've, I've, listen, I've never, I've never seen anybody who works at... But that's like 90% of y'all's answer. What do you want to do with your life? Okay, listen. There are times when your parents bring up stuff. What about this? No. What about that? No. What about this? No. Well, can you give me a yes? It's like me trying to ask my wife what we want to go eat. Babe, what you want to eat? I don't know. Whatever. Don't, don't say whatever. Because then I bring up topics and you're like, no, no, I don't know, no. I'm like, no, how about, so what do I got to do? I got to give her options. And then she narrows it down and we spend like 30 minutes. I'm just like, dude, just, just pick a restaurant, all right? And listen, some of you, you're too busy looking at what won't work and you don't ever pay attention to what will because you're always pessimist. Listen, I ain't even gonna lie. There are times people come up to me, especially when I was the youth pastor, and they're like, hey, I think I wanna do this. And I'm like, I don't see it, but like, go for it. And I'm like, and they get mad at me. Pastor, you don't believe me. I don't, I just believe in Jesus. I don't believe in you. And that's not a knock on you. If God said it, cool, then you trust the Lord. Don't listen to me. Don't let pastors or leaders or anybody else tell you that it can't happen. Shoot your shot. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But what if it does? What if, what if it is? What if you went out on a limb and you applied to that school that you thought you could never get in and then suddenly you got an acceptance letter? Or you try out for that team you never thought you can get on and somehow... You got on. 
Listen, let's go back to Exodus when it comes to the pessimists. Exodus chapter four, verse 13 through 16. But Moses again pleaded. Man, he already had his answer and he's still fighting God. Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. I love this. Moses, God is having a conversation with Moses. He's like, listen, man, you're my guy. I want you to go do that. Oh, man, I'm not good at talking. Listen, I made your tongue. I got you talking. And suddenly God's like, you know what, man? Now you're just making me mad. The Lord became angry with Moses. What does he say? All right. What about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delegated to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you both as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Listen, some of you are so pessimistic that God's got to bring somebody positive into your life just to pump you up. This wasn't God's plan. This wasn't what God wanted. But God's going to get you to where he needs you to go. And even if he needs to send a little help to do it, even if he needs somebody encouraging. Listen, can I just tell you, if you don't, get some encouraging friends in your life. If you are surrounded by pessimists, get out. Just get a few encouragers, a few people that are just like, man, I don't know why this person thinks they can do everything, but I love it. Get get around some encouragers, some people that exude confidence. Not arrogance, but confidence. That they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to try. You ever had that friend? I don't know if any of you ever had a friend like that that's just like, they just don't care. They just do it. They just try, and it, like, works out for them. I don't know why it always works out with them. Because they try. Because the law of probability says the more times you try, the more possibilities you have of success. Shoot your shot. Get some encouragers in your life, some people that are going to come alongside you, and maybe for a little bit be that mouthpiece. Maybe for a little bit they'll order food for you until you learn how to order for yourself. Maybe for a little bit, they'll encourage you. Hey, listen, it happened with me. I remember in high school, I just, I was terrified. It was my freshman year and I was nervous and, and I didn't feel like I could make a lot of friends. But I had a friend in my life who, who just never saw that. He never cared. And so at lunchtime, he decided we're going to have a United Nations lunch table. And so he went throughout the whole lunchroom and he found different people. We had an Asian person. We had a white person, a black person, Mexican person, popular kid, nerdy kid. We had everything. And we called them that. We had White Joe. We had Asian Dave. Like, we just, that was their names. Like, that's how we labeled them. And we brought them all around the table. And his goal was, bro, I just want different people, bro. I just want different people. And so he just went out. And he brought them to my table. And I'm very grateful for that. Because I didn't have enough courage then to go to anybody else's table. I needed an errand for a little bit of my life. To go out and and. Get me out of my comfort zone. Get me out of my circle. Listen, if you got somebody who's trying to push you out of your comfort zone, try not to make it that hard on them. If they're trying to push you into good things, all right? Now, if they're trying to make you do bad stuff, then fight them with everything you got. 
But if they're encouraging you to speak up during small groups, if they're encouraging you to pay attention during service, if they're encouraging you to come to the altar and worship, if they're encouraging you to pray and to pray with you, like these are the kind of people that they're training wheels. They're not supposed to be there for the rest of your life. They're not going to carry your burdens forever. But there's somebody that God is placing in your life strategically to carry you to that next stage until you can be the mouthpiece for yourself. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Our, our. Emily, if you can help me out, whichever. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, man, I didn't always have it together. I really messed up. I struggled a lot. I persecuted Christians. I killed people. I did it in the name of God, but it wasn't righteous. He was being transparent with this young pastor. And listen, again, especially for those of you who don't know me well, like I said, I didn't come out the womb preaching. I had my issues, I had the demons I had to fight with, I had my past and I had my struggles, I had my battles. As a teenager at your age, I struggled with loneliness, I struggled with insecurities, I struggled with feeling overweight and God, I wish I weighed what I did in high school, just, it's all relative. I struggled with a lot of stuff, with feeling unloved and feeling unwanted, feeling like I lacked purpose, feeling like I had no testimony, not knowing if God would ever wanna use me and why he would. See, what you're going through, it's nothing new under the sun. It's part of life. It's part of the transition. It's part of what you grow up into. But slowly and surely, I developed a boldness. Where did my boldness come from? It came from my love of God and God's love for me. Because if fear is the issue, then scripture tells us perfect love drives out all fear. See, when you feel loved, when you feel the love of God, a boldness that comes over you, a courage, because I love God more than I fear anything else. And when you have that, things change more. When you have that, you're not as pessimistic because you know that God can see things you don't see. You know that God entrusts in you things that you wouldn't entrust in you. That God doesn't see me for who I am, but for who I am becoming. When you have God's love, you're not worried about pleasing people because no person can compare with the love of God. When you have the love of God, you're not worried about being perfect because you already are loved perfectly by a perfect God. See, God's love supersedes all the other things. And now, I'm no longer afraid of failing. I'm afraid of God. And not in a scary way, See, Psalms tells us, and I know you guys have been studying the Psalms this summer. The psalmist tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. That wisdom comes from a healthy fear of God. What do I mean by that? I always thought about it in the way of a firefighter. A firefighter has a healthy fear of fire, but they are not afraid to go into a burning building. In other words, their fear is in understanding what fire is capable of. 
And because they recognize what fire is capable of, they have a healthy respect for the fire. They're not going to do dumb things. They're not going to play around because they recognize in an instant that fire can take my life. But they're not afraid of it, meaning they'll run into it. I wonder how many of us have a healthy fear of God. That's what developed in my life. Well, when God would tell me something, I feared him more than I feared anybody else. I feared failing God more than I feared failing myself. And it was a healthy fear, a fear of respect, a fear of honor, a fear of love. Because I recognize, God, if you're the one that's sending me, how can I ever really fail? If you're the one who's leading me, why am I afraid of that? Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close this out. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Just so that you're retrospect or introspective, just thinking about it for yourself. <clears throat> and I want you to ask yourself, is there something in your life that you have an unhealthy fear of right now? It might be a fear of the unknown. Maybe you're going into a new school. Maybe you're going into a new grade or maybe you're going into a grade where you got to get serious because you've kind of messed up a little bit and there's a lot of pressure on this year. Maybe you're afraid of your future. You don't know what you want to do. You don't know who you want to be. And that freaks you out. And the fact that people keep asking you is frustrating. Maybe you're afraid of your past keep feeling like you're still that person and you're never going to get past that. Maybe you're afraid of being what God called you to be because you know you want to do it, but you're afraid of how that will affect you at school, how that will affect you with your friends, how that will affect you as a whole. And maybe even some of you are afraid of getting serious with God. You're worried about being a hypocrite. And instead of choosing God, you'd rather just not choose it and that way not be a hypocrite. I remember I had a friend. I would go to her house on my way to Excel when I was a teenager. I'd actually go on a number of people's houses. I'd knock on their door, ask if they wanted to go to Excel, and we'd all walk together. And I'd end up walking with 20 friends between my house and church. And I'd always knock on her door and I'd ask her, do you want to go to church with me? And I remember specifically her telling me, no, because I'm afraid that I'm going to cry. She said, I know if I go with you, I'm going to cry. I remember going, well, dang, girl, then go with me. She never did. And I don't want to get into too many details because it's pretty graphic. But she never can now. She's not with us anymore. And when she passed, I remember thinking to myself, I wish I would have knocked more. I wish I would have fought a little bit harder. Honestly, I wish I would have just picked her up, threw her in my car and made her come. But I couldn't do that. Here's the thing that, that struck with me though. I don't want to ever be afraid of people because I'm afraid of what I might miss if I don't trust God, if I don't listen to God. 
So I want you to ask yourself, what are you afraid of right now? What's stopping you from stepping into everything that God's called you to be and everything God's called you to do? And I want you to know I'm talking to every person in this room, from the people my age down to the youngest. Is there a God-shaped dream that he's giving you? Is there a task that God is placing on you? And you're not fully stepping into it because fear has you still. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you just right where you are. Would you lift up your hand? I wanna pray for you tonight. Is there anyone here who's struggling with that? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for you guys. And then once I'm done praying, we'll get ready to dismiss. But I'm gonna ask you to help me out if you don't mind. Would you just hold the hand of the person next to you? We're gonna pray for each other as well. It's all across this room. Wipe your hand on your shirt just in case it's sweating. Just give me, yeah, give my hand first. Come across the aisle. Excel, I want to remind you something. We don't have to fear anything here because of who we have in God and because who God has brought here together. You have each other. Be encouragers, not pessimists. Be people who want to please God, not each other. Be people who are more worried about obedience than perfection. I need you to understand something. Don't be afraid of what Excel can be if you simply allow God to use you to do it. As much as you have dreams for yourself, would you dream for this ministry? This is not Pastor Izzy's. This is not the leader's. It's not mine. This is yours. I wonder what you could do with it if you were fearless. I wonder how God can use you to grow this ministry if you didn't get in your own way. If you stepped up into the leadership that God has called you to lead with. So I'm gonna pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every one of these amazing young people. God, I thank you because they have been called for such a time as this. And God, I know that many of them are in different aspects of their faith journey, going through different things. Some of them are taking this a little bit more seriously than others. And that's okay, God, wherever we're at in our faith journey, I'm just glad that we're all here. But God, I also pray that fear wouldn't prevent us from moving from here to there. God, I pray that you would give them such a boldness, Lord, the same way you spoke to Timothy through Paul and you reminded him that you did not give him a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That, God, I pray they wouldn't allow fear to freeze them in the moment. But, Lord, they would have that spirit of power, that spirit of self-discipline, that spirit of love, and that they would run with it, God. That, Lord, they wouldn't be afraid of the destiny that you've laid out for them. They wouldn't be afraid of the God-shaped dreams that you placed in their heart. They wouldn't be afraid of the careers that you've laid out for them. They wouldn't be afraid of the calling that you buried in their heart. And that they would not be afraid of taking hold of this ministry and making it their own, God. Lord, I pray that they lead with passion and love and desire. That they would be everything that you call them to be. And that they would not get in their own way. So Lord, I just pray for that spirit to flow in through them, God. Enable them, empower them. Lead them by your spirit, almighty God. To be and do 
all that you call them to be and do. Lord, I pray a special blessing even now as they get ready for this new school year, God. Lord, as they walk through those halls, I pray that they would walk with boldness and not fear. As they feel the pressure of all their friends to fit in, God, I pray that they would stick out. God, as they feel that pressure to be perfect in their grades and perfect in their academics, may they feel that love from you to just be who they are. And Father, I pray when pessimism gets the best of them and makes them doubt and wonder, I pray that your spirit would lift them up and show them the glass is more than half empty. It's overflowing. So Father, we thank you because you don't leave us where we're at, but you guide us by your hand. Help us, Father, to be and do all that you called us to be and do. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said, amen. amen. Come on, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen, amen. Hey, listen, here's, here's my final thoughts for you guys as we get ready to close this out tonight. I want to encourage you, take a few minutes. If there is some stuff that you're struggling with and that you're afraid of, talk to somebody about it. Sometimes one of the best things you can do with the thing you're afraid of is to call it out and to, to put a name to it so that it's not an internal thing anymore. You kind of put it out, expose it before it exposes you. Take that time to talk through some things. And here's what I find out sometimes. Sometimes we talk about it and we realize it's not even that big a deal. It's not even all that much to get worried about. It's just me being anxious. It's just me getting worried. But greater is he that is in me than anyone that's against me. Amen? God bless you guys. I love you guys. We'll see you on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday.